Oh, it's not like it used to be. <laughs> G'day and welcome to the Anarchist History of New Zealand podcast. This is the history of New Zealand through a libertarian anarchist lens, specifically that of Rick Giles. Please enjoy the ideas and let me know what you think. In this episode, we explore the history of deaf New Zealanders and how our state treated them. In particular, the Sumner Deaf and Dumb Institution in Christchurch. Before we get into that story, an audio clip with some related content. The following audio comes from the trailer to a documentary called Sound and Fury, the film came out in the year 2000. It's about the deaf community in America rather than New Zealand, but it primes us for the history adventure we're about to take. A hearing person really can't understand how you could be happy if your child is born deaf. Why is it so important to be deaf? Yes, deaf people have beautiful language, but you miss out on so many other beautiful things in the world, like music. I don't care about music. I can't hear it. I really am happy being deaf. It's very peaceful. Who would want to change that? Why do you want a cochlear implant now? Because I want to hear everything. Forget deaf. You are a mother first, and you're a father first. You do what's right for that child. If your child was blind, and if there was a surgery to, to, to give him eyesight, would you do it? With a cochlear implant, the child will be able to hear. Can you hear a house collapse? <laughs> I never saw a house do that. Do we think the implant can kill deaf culture, yes or no? Yes. 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 Deaf culture is wonderful. Grandma, she says, I want to communicate. This is what she says. I never knew that you really didn't accept deafness until now. Heather is my child, and I am not being close-minded. Hearing people have their own way of looking at things. I have a deaf family. That is my life. As you may have identified from that clip, being deaf is not simply a physical handicap or being, quote, differently abled. It is also a subculture unto itself with its own community. Members of this community have ego invested with being deaf and don't know who they are or where they or their family fits unless they go on being deaf. This sense of belonging occupies a bigger need to them than hearing itself. So... When it becomes possible to, quote, cure deafness, they would rather turn that down. New Zealand has a very strong deaf subculture too, and maybe you don't need to be an anarchist to understand why, but it certainly helps. To find out how things got the way they are now, we need to go back to the year 1880. 
state programs always achieve the very opposite of whatever they set out to do. March 10, 1880, the Sumner Deaf Dumb Institution opened for business in Christchurch and it was bankrolled by the New Zealand government. Still up and running today but called Van Ash Deaf Education Centre. Founding principal, Mr Van Ash, was recruited out of Europe. He propounded the German or oral methodology and rejected pupils versed in any sign language. Indeed, students who signed were punished. In Van Ash's philosophy, The deaf-mute, in his natural state is virtually nothing more nor less than a human plant. The work of the Sumner Institute consists in the development of these plants into human beings. Christchurch Press, 1905. Christchurch really always has been fertile ground for cranks and zealots. That would be just fine in a free market where the useful ideas can be separated from the useless and the dangerous. In this case though, the Sumner Institute had the oxygen of state funding coupled with legislative force to abduct deaf children from their parents nationwide. The School Attendance Act 1901 made special provision that children 7 to 16 years old be snatched bodily unless their parent could satisfy the state that quote efficient and suitable unquote education was being provided. This was far more punitive than a compulsory kidnapping than non-deaf children faced under the same law. A real stolen generation. 100 years right up to 1979 this dinosaur school lurched on as powered by the artificial life support of a state program. The stagnant century. Government money makes tragedy. What was the result? In the quote silent system era of New Zealand prisons, men learned a sort of ventriloquism speech. Also special jargon and rhyming slang. Jews in ancient Babylonian captivity galvanized their faith and invented bone okay and they invented what became Boney M songs, being more resolutely unified than the cousins they returned to who had never been enslaved at all. So it was with the deaf child prisoners. They emerged with a powerful in-group identity and their own secret language, NZSL, New Zealand Sign Language. NZSL was created as a slave language by prisoners of the New Zealand state during their enforced captivity in the course of 100 years. To this day, the equal and opposite reaction, social effect, of Mr Van Ash's legacy has been a powerful in-group identity community. State programs always achieve the very opposite of whatever they set out to do. Well, Van Ash's state program set out to create conformist students to integrate into society and read the lips of normal people. What happened instead was an insulated in-group community with a secret forbidden finger language and a grudge against the mainstream society was produced. They called themselves culturally deaf and are proud of it. For us, it's the deaf culture. We have sign language and we've got the deaf way, which is different from other people's way. Amanda Everett, who was head girl at Kelston Girls High School last year and is now a first-year student at the University of Auckland, is equally adamant that deafness is a part, if not most of, her identity. The deaf, 
disabled, or just different. NZH 2002. And it doesn't seem to have ended with Generation X at all, despite those 1979 reforms. The culturally deaf have been battle champions of a victimhood culture for decades, pressuring for recognition and social change of the same type we're familiar with in the mainstream of the 2020s, the social justice warriors. NZSL gained official language status in 2006, just as Maori did in 1987. The English language itself knows no such status. The purpose, of course, is to serve victimhood cultures who temporarily stop feeling unimportant when they get this external source of self-esteem. After a victimhood group gets what it thought it wanted, it dies out for want of battles to fight. More often, the VC group pushes more increasingly absurd demands in the quest for self-esteem. Heck, I even remember a group not long ago saying correcting deafness for babies was tantamount to abortion. Rather, let the child grow up and decide if they wanted to be able to hear. That's some hardcore commitment to group identity there, going right off the deep end. But there are many deaf couples, particularly when they have had other generations in the family who are deaf, who would see deaf as the normal and preferred way of being and having deaf kids as being much easier because you can communicate with them and know that they are going to stay connected to your world. Ibid. So in a very similar way to Truby King plus The State, warping generations of children, and Clarence Beebe plus The State, warping generations of scholars, Mr. Van Ash warped generations of the deaf in New Zealand. The challenge ahead, in my opinion, is for the members of New Zealand's deaf community to find an identity not based on victimhood, not based on being oppositional, not focused on the negative. That's the end of this episode of the Anarchist History of New Zealand podcast. Thanks for listening. Let me know what you thought and visit the AHNZ website. The next episode will take us to 1907. Here's a small sample of that show to end this one. We have seen more than once that a public welfare may call upon the best citizens for their lives. It would be strange indeed if it could not call upon those who already sapped the strength of the state for these lesser sacrifices in order to prevent our being swamped by incompetence. It is better for all the world if, instead of waiting to execute degenerate offsprings for crime or to let them starve for their imbecility, society can prevent their propagation by medical means in the first place. Three generations of imbeciles are enough. <laughs>